welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Merciful God, we thank you that you are steadfast. Lord, that you deliver your people, your stubborn people. Lord, would that we would repent this morning. Turn to you, turn to your merciful face and the goodness displayed in Jesus Christ this morning and live. Lord, help us to see that, to want that, to do that this morning by your Spirit. We need you. We need you to come. Please make that happen for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I've prepared a very lengthy sermon for you this morning. When you're learning long division like my son, you have to show your work. When preaching, showing your work often sounds like a seminary course. So rather than tell you what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, most of the time, I just do it. I just do it. But today, but the but was coming in our sermon text from 1 Corinthians 10, Paul shows his work. Paul shows his work. He tells, tells us what he is doing. So I'm going to tell you what I'm doing this morning before we do it. Okay. All right. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing before we do it. So our, our sermon text is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, it's page 957 in your pew Bible. Hear this from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6. Now, these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. And down in verse 11, now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. What are these things? What is this example that we're supposed to pay attention to? Here is Chris's broken record. Okay, I'm showing my work here. It is the Old Testament. It is the story of Israel. Chapter 10 and verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. This is the Exodus story, the story of the people of Israel in the wilderness. And this goes from Exodus 15... All the way, it's bookended by two songs of Moses, Exodus 15 and Deuteronomy 32 and 33. And in Deuteronomy 32, what is Moses' song? He sums up this story, the story of the whole Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, with praise to Yahweh, to the Lord God, the rock, over and over again in Deuteronomy 32. So Paul says, hear me. Jesus is Yahweh. He is God. 
This is very clear. Jesus is the rock from which we drink. Deuteronomy 32, hear this. For I will proclaim the name of Yahweh, the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Yahweh suckled Israel with honey out of the rock. Yahweh the rock bore you. Israel forsook God who made him and scoffed at the rock of his salvation. I could keep going. This is all throughout this song. So, again, the question, how are they, how is this story an example Well, verse 5 of our text from 1 Corinthians reminds us that most of them God was not pleased with. He, They were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, one of my favorite commentaries on Scripture um, on unpacking this idea of how we should read the Old Testament stories as examples Like any commentary, I don't agree with every part of this commentary, but this commentary starts with a wonderful, uh, a wonderful illustration on how to read the Old Testament. Now, some people think the Bible is a book of rules telling you what you should think and, and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have some rules in it. They show you how life works best, but the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what he has done. Other people think that the Bible is a book of heroes showing you people you should copy. The Bible does have some heroes in it, but as you'll soon find out, most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. They make some big mistakes, sometimes on purpose. They get afraid and run away. At times, they are downright mean. This is a really good commentary on the Bible. I commend it to you. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. (laughs) We are meant to understand the Bible, the Gospels, the letters of the New Testament, all of our lives within a story. And these stories are examples over and over again. Hear this over and over again, that the Lord, that Yahweh God is merciful and must save us. That's the story of the Bible. And if he doesn't show mercy to his people, the whole story falls apart. If there is no mercy, it all falls apart. So that's my introduction. Here's my sermon. Here's the more relevant question for us this morning. Why is this story, why is this example written down for us for our instruction here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Paul writes to the church in Corinth because there are divisions in the church. This might be pretty familiar to you. What does division look like? Well, there's reported that there's quarreling among you, Paul says in chapter 1. Jealousy and strife among you in chapter 3. Some are puffed up in favor of one against another in chapter 4. They have grievances against one another, chapter 6. Their knowledge puffs up, chapter 8. They are inclined to be contentious, chapter 11, okay? James chapter 4 and verse 1, James says it like this, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war 
within you. So in the center of this letter of 1 Corinthians, Paul points to the Corinthians' physical passions, their physical passions as the evidence of their division. Chapters 5 through 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 through 10, he first unpacks a physical passion, sexual immorality, and then in chapters 8 through 10, he unpacks food, how we eat together to highlight this division. There's a lot of Bible in this sermon. No apologies. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you flip one page back. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Not for people out there. This is for us. This is for us. Since then, you would need to go out out of the world, but now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. And then to the last part of this center section, chapter 10, right after our text in verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Now remember, this is not primarily about outsiders. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Skipping down to verse 30, if I partake with thankfulness. Why am I denounced? Because of that for which I give thanks. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. There's a lot of Bible. It's kind of throwing Bible at you this morning. To summarize, chapters 8 through 10 is all about how we eat, what we eat, and who we eat with. Evidences, all of these things evidence whether or not we are the cause of division in the body. Okay, so there's division in Corinth, and two, and somehow this division has to do with food. Okay, that's what I've established so far. Sometimes those two things, there's division, somehow this has to do with food. If you're lost, that's all you have to know. Okay, so what? So what? Why is this example, the Exodus story, recalled for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Look at look with me at chapter 10 and verse 6 again. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. That's in the New Testament, y'all. 
Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. All right, so here's, here's the main idea of this text, the main idea of this sermon, and I'm going to prove it to you after I say it, all right? I'm going to prove it to you from the Bible. Here's the main idea. Grumbling leads to destruction. Grumbling leads to destruction. If you grumble, if you are a grumbler, you will reap death in your life and finally you will die in the wilderness in your sin. Or as C.S. Lewis described hell, you will become an endless grumble. You won't even know you're doing it anymore. You'll just become a grumble itself. Here's the story. Exodus chapter 14 They pass through the Red Sea. Israel passes through the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 15, Moses sings his song. And immediately right after that in Exodus 15, there's no water and the people grumbled. Exodus 16, there's no food and Israel grumbled. So Yahweh in his mercy gives them manna. For six days, and on the sixth day, he gives them enough for the seventh day. Exodus chapter 17, there's no water again. And what did the people do? They quarreled and grumbled. And Moses struck the rock, and Yahweh gave them water. And that place was called Massa and Meribah, which means testing and quarreling. Not a good place. Moses goes up on the mountain to receive instruction. We all know this story. Right after that, Exodus 32, while he's up there, while he's up there, they fashion a golden calf and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, which is quoted in our text. And still, Yahweh doesn't leave them. Moses intercedes on their behalf. Yahweh makes a way. He makes a way for atonement in what? In the tabernacle in the sacrificial system, and he orders all of these 12 tribes and he establishes them by the word. And immediately after all of this ordering, all of this setting the people straight, setting their worship up, Numbers chapter 11, the people complained again. Oh, that we had meat to eat. Who will give us meat to eat? So Yahweh stuffs them with so much quail to eat that many died there. (laughs) they called that place the graves of craving numbers chapter 12 even Aaron and Miriam his wife joined in on the party they spoke against Moses and after this They sent out spies to scout out this promised land that they're going to. They scout out the promised land. The spies give their report and they were terrified. They didn't want to go fight the giants in the land, in this promised land. And immediately chapter 14, what do you think happened? Israel grumbled and that whole generation died in the wilderness. 40 years for every day that there was, that there were spies out in the promised land. They were out there for 40 days, 40 years. They wandered. They rebel again against God's judgment. And they tried to take the land for themselves. No, we're going to take it anyway. You said we're going to have it. We're going to take it. And they're defeated. Numbers chapter 16, Korah leads a rebellion of what? Of grumbling. 
He is destroyed and swallowed up into Sheol. Crazy story. And immediately, chapter 16, at the end of the chapter, Israel grumbled because Yahweh judged their rebellion. Chapter 17, Yahweh tells Moses, tell them, tell them to make an end of their grumblings against me lest they die. And there's some stuff about some serpents. Fast forward to chapter 20. Moses finally joins Israel and quarrels with Yahweh, and he dies with that generation in the wilderness. Numbers chapter 25, Israel stops trying to enter the land. They receive the judgment, but not not with humility and repentance. They set up their habitation in Moab, east of the Jordan, outside the promised land, and they hoard with Moabites. They've set up their camp now. They're not complaining about food anymore. They're doing what they want with their bodies. They worshiped Baal. They quarreled and grumbled all the way to the grave. So a journey on foot through the wilderness that should have taken about two weeks takes 40 years because of grumbling. Grumbling always leads to division. Grumbling always leads to broken table fellowship. Grumbling always leads to death. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Take heed lest he fall. Grumbling leads to destruction. So how do we apply this to our life? Okay. I have two points of application. When tempted to grumble, repent early and often. When tempted to grumble, repent early and often. I almost entitled this point, Stop Grumbling Lest You Die, which might be a better way to say that. It it matches Paul's phrasing, lest anyone think he stands, he will fall. Grumbling always grows, and this is the point of the story. Those gifted in mercy can become grumblers. Every concern becomes catastrophic. Every difference becomes an offense. Every action becomes an unspoken microaggression. Grievances multiply and peace is far from you. Repent, turn back to the rock as soon as the grumble begins, as soon as it begins in your heart. And the opposite is also true. Lack of mercy at 1 a.m. in the morning with a crying child a few hours ago becomes an opportunity for grumbling. And like Moses, people who are lower in gifts of mercy, maybe, their righteous conviction over time can harden into grumbling. So give them grace, even and especially as a rebuke. 
Moses fell because he didn't deliver the rebuke of the Lord, and he joined in on the grumbling. Give them grace and don't grumble. Make an end of all your grumblings lest you die. How are we to endure and stop grumbling? Verse 12, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Verse 13, these two, these two, these two verses hold together in tension. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God, now remember who is God? The merciful God, Jesus Christ, the rock, okay? God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When tempted to grumble, repent early and often. Repent early and often. And finally, pay attention to table fellowship. This is what Paul is doing over and over again for about five chapters in the middle, actually about six or seven chapters. Pay attention to table fellowship. It will give a clue into your heart. Do not eat with Christians who are unrepentant grumblers, Paul says. If a brother or sister has a hard, grumbling heart, go to them. Call them to repentance. And if they repent, sit down and eat and rejoice. Are there people, is there a person in the church that you would not go out to lunch with after church today? Let alone share a meal in your home. Do you have a grumble deep down with a brother or sister in Christ? Confess your contentious heart to God. Go to your brother or sister. Confess your grumble. Make peace before you come to this table. Make peace before you come to this table. If you won't share a meal with someone in a restaurant, why would you share this meal with them? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, right after our text in verse 14. Therefore, therefore all of this, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts.